Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshah.net. Episode 51. Cluster OTs and SLTs to schools. I'm recording this episode in early 2021 and the reason I'm telling you this is because perhaps by the time you're listening to this, maybe in a few years time, uh, this will be in the archives or something like that, you'll be living in a time when children with additional needs in Ireland will be treated with the respect that they deserve. You know, I'm guessing it'll be a time that when a child requires, you know, basic supports such as occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, or any other therapy, they'll receive it quickly and it'll be available in their locality. And to be honest with you, the reason I'm saying this now in early 2021, it's March 2021, is I think it's definitely going to happen because as of a number of months ago, Ireland actually decided to have a minister for children um, with additional needs. So basically a minister with responsibility uh, for children with additional needs. And its first one, uh, just for those of you who might be listening in the future, is someone called Josefa Madigan. And so far in her tenure, she has made huge inroads into helping children with additional needs, as I'm sure most of you listening will know. Highlights include calling um, typically developing children normal, inferring that children with additional needs are not normal, and she's also overseeing the most wonderful full inclusion model scheme, which means that further cuts to children with additional needs are going to be cemented into law. And all the while, she's completely avoiding doing anything to actually help children with additional needs. However, I'm sure any day soon, one positive thing will happen, and then it'll all be plain sailing. Now, this would make my job easier if I ever became the Minister for Education, because that's when I would cluster OTs and SLTs to schools. Hello, hello. You're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis. Um, You know, I'm recording this, I suppose, on the the week that uh, news talk uh, of of, of all radio stations, and only by coincidence, uh, have been highlighting uh, the lack of of speech and language therapies for young children. And they've been highlighting the waiting lists uh, that uh, have been happening since 2015 and beyond that, where over 25,000 people are on waiting lists for therapies. And when I do episodes about special education in Ireland, they they tend to turn into violent rants against the NCSE. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't expect this episode to be any different. Uh, while Kieran Cudahy on the hard shoulder is giving out about the HSE, generally I think the rot really about anything to do with special education uh, is uh, to do with the NCSE. And it's not very hard to link uh, those two together. Special education needs in Irish schools are an absolute disaster and they've been getting worse year on year despite whatever money and whatever resources they pretend to be throwing at it. And so before I go into, uh, you know, go any further into this episode, I want to make it very, very clear that this idea that I have for this episode by simply making OTs and SLTs based in schools isn't actually going to fix the general problem with uh, special education needs or additional needs in schools or even make a dent of all the problems that the NCSE have supported and have been supported by all governments in the last decade and what they've actually done to children with additional needs. However, it is something and something is better than nothing. Um, 
When a child requires OT or SLT support, they join a very, very long waiting list with the HSC, as, as I just mentioned. And when they finally get an appointment, and if they're taken on for a block of sessions, uh, basically, in whatever therapy is needed, it generally takes place during school time. And often, it's difficult for parents to get out of their own work to bring them to that place. And it's usually, I mean, if they're not right in the middle of a town, it's usually involves a good bit of travel. Um, and, you know, the other thing really is they only last a very arbitrary amount of time. A child that needs OT and might be waiting for two years uh, to get this OT might be um, generally, you know, get, they might generally get six weeks. Six weeks is generally, for some reason, the uh, amount of time that they're given. So six w uh, blocks of one uh, session. And, you know, if you've been waiting for two years for OT, it, you're going to need more than six weeks of it, you know, given that two years has passed without any support. And children, this is the thing is children need ongoing support as early as possible so that when they're older, they might not need that level of support, you know, early intervention and all that. But unfortunately, there is this uh, wait all the time and it's at least um, two years um, I, I mean at, at, at very you know at very best it's a year but certainly on average it's about two years before anyone sees them at all I mean wouldn't it be so much easier to actually have these therapists the OTs and the SLTs working in schools I mean we have to look at how the HSC and the Department of Education you know blur uh, together in a way when it comes to schools because that is basically what's happening. The HSC are generally responsible for health and therapies. The Department of Education are generally responsible for education. But when it comes to children in schools, the lines there are quite blurred. But right now, they work as if they are completely separate entities, which they are in some ways, but it makes little sense for them to do so. If therapists uh, uh, that are employed by the HSE could work in schools, it could save huge amounts of time and money and resources. Ah, you might say, but how is it possible for these therapists to work in most schools? Sure, we don't even have a staff room, never mind a room for a therapist to come and go as they please. Ah, you might say, sure don't these OTs and SLTs need specialist rooms with specialist equipment? You can't be expecting schools to have all these new fancy dangled things. You know, I'm only a two-teacher school, what will I be using all those things for? And you know, to be fair, given that we have so many schools in this country, you'd probably be right. However, I'm not proposing that every single school would have an OT or an SLT. It makes no sense for a two-teacher school or a three-teacher school or even an eight-teacher school maybe to have a full-time uh, OT or SLT for the needs that are there because they just aren't there. However, a possible solution might be to place OT and SLT services in the places that they're needed most within a town. And those places tend to be special schools or schools where there are special classes. And because within those schools or these settings, OT services and SLT services are most definitely needed at a minimum. So by actually placing them in these schools, by doing this, it would give the most services to those with the most needs and children in other schools might be able to access them after hours. Because, I mean, there's plenty of work that would be available uh, for these OTs and SLTs uh, during school hours. Um, because, you know, they're, uh, they're also built uh, properly. I mean, special schools and special classes are built with rooms for uh, therapists. Um, and uh, they generally contain an OT room by default. 
And uh, basically, this means that OTs and SLTs and other services could be clustered so they could work in a particular school for a number of days a week. I mean, for me, this makes absolute sense. And let's look at a practical example. And uh, do you know what I'll do? I'm going to pick Carlow Town because it's the town I know best because I live here. Carlow Town has nine primary schools, more or less. If you include the hinterlands, it might be a little bit more. But the general town, if, as, as it were, has nine primary schools. One of these is a special school, and we have two schools with special classes, one of them being my own. Now, this means we basically have three appropriate settings for therapists. And for a town of the size of Carlow, we probably should have more, but that's a different story. And to be honest, it's too close to home for me to basically comment on that. But right now, what we do have is three facilities that could host OTs and SLTs. Now, the special school would possibly need its own um, therapist full-time in their school. That makes sense. All of the children in these schools would probably need therapies of some sort. However, um, I would say that the other two, for, you know, and they may well do, but for the purpose of this example, you know, the other two schools, uh, you know, they might need full-time therapists as well. But for the purpose of this example, what we'll do is we'll say they could share, uh, that they would be open, I suppose. They would have their therapists and they would also be open to children from other schools in the town who would go there. So my school, for example, could cater for the pupils in my school, but also to uh, the pupils in other schools that would be close by. And similarly, uh, the other school, which has uh, special classes uh, in the town, could also uh, take care of the other half of the children uh, who needed to be there. Um, and, you know, this, I mean, it wouldn't solve the problem. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, ideally, we need more schools with therapy rooms. It would mean that at least three schools would have on-site therapies during the school day. And the other six schools in the town would have a local service in a local school in the town. In some ways, um, it's kind of like the elections where, where you go to your nearest school to vote, sort of anyway, but like similar enough. Um, but anyway, as I said, it doesn't immediately solve the problem, but it's not a bad step, let's say. Now, I know I'm very critical of things that are a good step in the right direction or a, whatever it is um, in, on this podcast. And I hate hearing, oh, well, it's not perfect but it's a step in the right direction but I, I mean the, the thing is in this case you know it, it doesn't it doesn't replace anything it's just really shifting someone's workplace to solve a very small part of the problem this certainly isn't a step in the direction of fixing the you know whatever problems the NCSE causes it's just fixing a particular problem um you know with with people accessing um occupational therapy and speech therapy and things like that but ah you might say Aren't the NCSE doing this marvellous pilot programme in Wicklow and Kildare where all their schools are getting loads of OT and SLT from therapists and this is going to be spread to all other counties in the new front-loading model and full inclusion model for schools? <laughs> Do you know what? Silly me. How could I forget that this pilot programme has solved all of the problems of therapies in these two counties alone. Not is there, there is not one child on a waiting list in Wicklow or Kildare for occupational therapy or speech and language therapy. Do you know what? The old cliche of never judging a book by its glossy, colourful lies probably is never truer than here. I've spoken to dozens of schools about this pilot programme. And to be honest, and then, look, I, I will be honest because, you know, I, I like to be honest. The feedback I've received or the, all the feedback I've heard hasn't all been 100% negative. However, the positive feedback I've heard has always had 
a disclaimer is probably the best word to put it. You know, people say, oh, it's great. God, Simon, do you know what? It's brilliant. It's been a revolution. But, and, you know, and I think disclaimer is probably the right word, um, even though it isn't. Um, but it basically says that it doesn't provide enough, but it's a good step in the right direction. And this is where a step in the right direction is a bad thing, because what it's doing is it's replacing something uh, else. It's, it's, it's trying to replace something with something that it shouldn't be replacing. You know, and, and you know what? What I did do then was, what, is, what has everybody actually said? Because those of you, you know, those of you have said it's absolute rubbish. Uh, some people say, oh, it's been brilliant, but, but everyone has has basically, whether they like it or not, um, you know, or they think it's a good model or not, they've described it in the following manner: each school gets access to an OT and an SLT, um, and they come to the school and they uh, and they assess some of the children, and then they provide a plan for. Now, wait for this, okay? It's not them, not the OT or the SLT that actually do the OT or the SLT, but for the school staff to do with the children. So what they do is they give advice to the schools of what therapies the school staff, who are totally unqualified to do this, to do with the children. The schools don't receive any extra staffing to add to their already heavy workload. No, no. And, and on top now of dealing with children's educational needs, for which we are actually qualified to do, support teachers are now going to be expected to do the work of therapists. And on top of dealing with children's care needs, um, which SNAs are also qualified to do, uh, SNAs are also expected to do the work of therapists as well. Now, some of you might say, sure, that seems grand. But I'm recording this episode shortly after a lockdown due to the COVID-19 uh, COVID, um, pandemic when teachers were sending home schoolwork to be done at home with parents who aren't qualified teachers or qualified SNAs. And SNAs were sending home care plans to be done at home with parents who are basically not qualified SNAs. Sorry, I'm just repeating myself a bit. And the result of this was that parents, while the parents did their best, children did not get optimal education from their parents and nor did they get optimal care needs um, especially for children with additional needs and yet this pilot seems to be following a model of how lockdown kind of worked where teachers and SNA sent home plans and parents were expected to try their best to do those plans and they would have done I suppose a reasonable job following whatever the teacher or the SNA said but it certainly wasn't the same as a teacher actually giving these lessons or SNAs giving this care. Otherwise, what's the point in us coming back to school? And similarly, the OTs and the SLTs who were coming into school, observing a kid for a little while and then giving plans to completely unqualified people to do them doesn't seem to be a very good model at all. A qualified person telling a bunch of unqualified people to perform therapies they aren't qualified to do and then go off away uh, while these people do their best by following some sort of template with no idea of any changes to make depending on the child's progress or lack of progress doesn't sound very good to me. It's at very best maybe not harmful, but it certainly is not the same as a child receiving appropriate therapies for their actual needs. And I know I mentioned this, but I need to repeat that no extra staffing has been given to schools for this pilot. And this means that teachers will be spending more time practicing something they're completely unqualified to do and spending less time dealing with the educational needs for which they are completely qualified to do. And similarly with SNAs, 
they're going to be spending more time practicing something they're completely unqualified to do and spending less time dealing with the care needs for which they are completely qualified to do. And given the mantra that schools need to prioritise their supports to the highest level of need, which is what, which is basically NCSE's way of basically <laughs> shafting children uh, in schools where the needs aren't as high, uh, aren't higher than their peers and pitting them all against each other, uh, basically this means that children who will have received the supports will have received the supports won't get them anymore because their teacher or SNA will be too busy playing adult Ashter in the role play section where the role play is being an OT or an SLT. And, and let's also not forget this. Any pilot scheme, any pilot scheme that is run is usually uh, given far more resources than they'll actually end up giving when it's all finished. Because, you know, when you want a pilot system to work, what you'll do is pilot with uh, supports and resources. And then when the pilot system is successful, what they'll do is they'll basically give the bare minimum uh, in the real world. And there is no way when this is rolled out that schools will get the same level of support that the pilot is offering. And when at best the pilot is offering something that doesn't cause harm, uh, you can tell that a full rollout is going to be a total disaster for children with additional needs. And the weird thing is that despite this being totally inadequate, an absolutely, an absolutely inadequate model. And despite the fact that no extra staffing has been given for any of this, and despite the fact that it doesn't even appear to have been measured in any way as a success, it seems that while a vast majority of people see it for the disaster that it will be, there are a small group of people, teachers and staff, who are saying, ah, sure, it's a step in the right direction. And I wonder, were these people who didn't get enough points in their leaving cert um, <laughs> you know, to become therapists, you know, maybe maybe they're just living out vicariously their their dreams. Maybe oh, if I'd only got more points, I could have been an OT or an SLT. Now I'm being I'm totally unfair when I'm saying that, but I can't think how anyone working in the primary education system would even think it is near possible that this service would improve after the pilot is finished. There is not a single service in the Irish primary sector for children with additional needs that has been better resourced after it started whatever the needs were, including needs that haven't arisen from a disability. I mean, just let's look at learning support, for example. It was cut by 15% in 2011, 11, and it never, ever got, it never re got recovered. You know, we're still working off a 15% deficit from 2011, and it's been cut further since, year on year, by stealth. And now with the SET allocation model, as I said, it's been further cut. You know, as I said, thanks to this ingenious system that punishes schools that grow by not providing them with adequate extra hours. I mean, look at a resource teacher for, for travellers, for example. That was cut completely in 2008 and was never replaced. Look at EAL, cut by over 90% and has yet to be appealed. And, and basically, if you want EAL, you have to appeal for it every year and you never get um, anywhere near what you need. For example, I've had the same support for EAL as I had in 2008 when I had less than 30 pupils. I now have approximately 400 pupils in the school and still have one EAL teacher. And I'm not unique. What possible reason do these pilot participants think that if they say nice things about the pilot, oh, it's a lovely step in the right direction, that once it's rolled out, that there's going to be some sort of improvement? Anyway, I've kind of managed to get through this episode without, I suppose, I don't think I've outly said the NCSE needs to be disbanded yet. So maybe it's a good time to stop. 
simply bringing OTs and SLTs into schools to work directly with children certainly isn't going to solve the entire problem of the lack of service they're receiving. But it would definitely help. And I'm not saying it's a step in the right direction. It's just something that would help more than what they're planning on doing. And while it's only one tiny grain of sand to add to the beach of issues that need resolving for children with additional needs, if I were the Minister for Education, I would be clustering OTs and SLTs and other therapies into schools to work directly with children. Um, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in every Friday evening. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all of the other podcast services that are out there just by searching for If I Were the Minister for Education or even Onshaw.net. Um, I'd really appreciate you subscribing to this podcast so each new episode will become available to you immediately after its release um, which, and I tend to kind of uh, release them a little earlier than Friday at 5.59 if I'm totally honest. Schedule sends a great thing. Anyway, please feel so feel free to review the podcast so others can find it more easily. That's it for me for this week. Thanks a million. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>